Welcome to the Software Quality Today podcast presented by TX3 Services, where we empower life science companies to digitally transform their software testing. Before we get started, please don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. In a continuation of guests from the CanX Computer Systems Validation and Software Assurance Conference in San Diego, Dory was able to sit down for some coffee in the beautiful outdoors on a fantastic San Diego morning with fellow CSV and CSA guru, Ken Shitamoto. Ken has a background spanning GMP and GCP, which includes manufacturing, QA, compliance, auditing, InfoSec, and IT. He has worked on both the manufacturer and the vendor side of the business and is currently the head of IT quality engineering at Gilead. Ken is also currently a member of the FDA Industry Computer Systems Assurance Team. He holds a BA in Molecular Cell Biology from UC Berkeley and an MS in Computer Science from San Jose State University. As I mentioned, this episode was recorded the morning before the final day of the CanX conference, so as you hear the background ambiance of people starting their days, hotel staff going about their tasks, and even the hum of an airplane or two leaving or arriving in San Diego, it will be just as if you are sitting at the table next to Ken and Dory as they sip their 7 a.m. coffee at an outdoor patio table, discussing the need for change in software compliance and life sciences as we move into 2022, as well as what organizations can and should be doing in order to enact those changes. So without further ado, here's your host, Dory Gonzalez-Azevedo. Well, good morning, Ken. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for showing up on this early Wednesday morning as we're wrapping up Connects. Yeah, right by the seals. You know, I didn't notice the seals the other day, and Jason kept saying that there's seals over there. I'm like, where are the seals? I haven't <laughs> seen them. Um, so you've been traveling, and this is kind of, you coming home now after? Yeah, uh, right after this, and I'm going back to uh, my home, was in... South of France, mm-hmm. speaking on CSA, mm-hmm. uh, full day workshop at A3P, mm-hmm. then to uh, Chennai for uh, work. For work. Yeah. Okay. So and you got to stick in some work in there. Yes. We're always wondering, like, you're always talking, so when are you doing the work, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great. So how, how did that go? How was the reception there? I know I saw some postings online of your talk that France went well. Yeah, France went well. We actually had someone who started off with the intent of being a naysayer who was a convert by the end. Oh. Okay. So it was, it was very interesting. Cool, cool. So. How did you think the first two days, get, we're going to wrap up this morning, you have a morning coffee talk with folks to ask open questions, but how did you think the first two days went so far? So far, I think it was good. I think it was good that Cisco chimed in, gave us the update and the status on the uh, guidance document, as well as you know, he mentioned, right, if you looked at the chat about the inspections that have occurred mm-hmm. versus CSA successfully. Yeah. So I thought it was a, a very good session and people really heard what they needed to hear. Right. So let's reiterate for everyone. Cisco Vicente said that the FDA fully supports the draft guidance. It's coming. It's in the motions. We hope to have that finalized this year. We'll be open for comment. There have been some inspections so far done with that mindset and they have been successful. Is that a fair summary? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I can't remember. I hate to put words in uh, <laughs> Cisco's mouth. I know that he did say that, you know, it's as far as the guidance, as far as it's, it's ever been. been. Right, that's right, true. That, yeah. that it's been moving forward. Um, he gave all positive indications that it should be here. Right. And I think you and I share a similar mindset in that we want people to think regardless. Yes. So it doesn't really, in some ways, doesn't really matter if the guidance comes out ever, right? Yeah. We would like it to. Well, but but that you know, in my talk, right? We I use the example from an existing guidance document that's actually more um, aggressive than Stringent, CSA, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Because it had things that I would kind of 
wonder right. about the model. And, you know, that's already there. So we have already have something that's beyond CSA, and we already do things that are, um, you know, CSA is right smack in the middle. You mm -hmm. could do nothing. You could do more. CSA is right in the middle. So, of course, it's compliant. So the hesitation is just people. So that's a great point, and I and you and I have been in the business as equally as long, <laughs> and we've been struggling with getting folks to really hear the message, right? Over the years, we we started way back when we moved to risk based testing, still hasn't been fully grasped, paperless, people really don't really know what that means, right? CSA now, and we still see the struggle of, well, what does this mean? You know, what is CSA versus CSV? And we get so wrapped up in the terminology of it all, which frustrates me because I'm a practitioner. I want to get in there and do, right? And so what do you think of some of the things that hold folks back with just starting to do something today? Again, I think it's uh, organizational. It's uh, mm -hmm. fear. I think it's the... Um, you, you know, some people, I think it's, it, it's, it's a very diverse set of people, mm -hmm. right? You look at some people, quality assurance units feel uh, a lack of control as a documentation that they may be looking for is, will be different. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at the validation practitioners who core skill set has been really around documentation are now having to pivot and learn about testing, mm -hmm. which is a different skill set. So right. I, I think there's underlying concern about that. There is a absence of, back to the first point, there's an absence of guidance saying, or telling to do what they currently, there's a claim about that, yeah, yeah, right. currently do, mm -hmm. which is a fascinating thing. Right. right. So there's, you know, we won't move unless something tells us to move, but we are doing something that has no basis. Right, right. Yeah. So for me, I, I work on a lot of the more DevOps spaces where there are much, much more sophisticated testing tools and techniques that are being wanting to be used, um, being used and really frustrate the quality people within the organizations because they just don't understand. There's like a fundamental disconnect between, you know, the, the technology that's out there how it works, what does it even mean, and then how to translate because they feel that loss of control. Um, any words of advice for those folks out there? You know, first, what, one comment. I, I always have this conversation with my, uh, my friend Vincent Hu, and he and I, we, we discuss that going digital doesn't mean taking your paper process and making it electronic. You Absolutely. actually have to change, change it and embrace <laughs> it to the tools. Yep. Um, so, I think what it comes on, it, it's still again, it's, it's fear because what's happening now is with the new technology, the new advances, years of experience no longer matter. Mm -hmm. It's what did you learn yesterday? yesterday. What tools do you yeah. know? What technologies do you know? Mm -hmm. What life cycles do you know? And right now we're very comfortable with 1986 and the V model. Mm -hmm. Yep. Such that we hesitate to adopt tools like uh, unscripted testing exploratory that came out in 84. Right. Right. Um, to your point, what a lot of the customers that I work with want to get down to a weekly cadence, a weekly release cycle. And there is no way possible to get down to that level of rapid release in a CI/CD model without significant change to your process. Um, and I think the business needs to drive that conversation. The needs, right? The needs of the business. And if we're not holding those beads, uh, business needs 
to the forefront, the quality folks are just going to get constantly left behind. Yeah, and, but I do think there are, there are reference models or things mm -hmm. where we've moved. So if you look at clinical, mm -hmm. things are measured in weeks. You're, you're much, much faster. And the life cycles for releasing systems in the clinical space, such as IVR and EDC, yeah. will be very different than, say, you know, releasing an SAP system. But don't you think some of that comes from the fact that preclinical systems and software that are out there are not quote-unquote heavily regulated right so that the model in the clinical areas are also already very like you do have the statisticians that 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 drive that process right you have the scientists if you will drive that process already so it's kind of like a that for me has always been an easy transition in the clinical space because you've got super smart people that already know the technology and how what they need the models to look like and they're writing the algorithms as they go flip back to the non-product space mm -hmm. these are this is software stuff that we're talking about that you know people want to test their limb system which limb systems have been here for forever and are, are are rooted in good software quality practices by the vendors themselves, right? Kind of different mindset. Yeah, I, I, I'm not so sure it links to preclinical. Mm -hmm. um, I actually haven't thought about that in depth, so I, I, I can neither support nor, <laughs> <laughs> nor, nor disagree with. It, I, I do latch onto your point about the mindset. It, it is truly just about the mindset and the uh, perceived expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, clinical in, in particular because the timelines are faster yeah right because there's a business driver for that right yeah tends to be more uh pragmatic mm -hmm. right well maybe pragmatic is the wrong word more efficient or more more tailored they're tailored yeah yeah i think they're tailored they're very prescriptive because they're the the outcomes that they know that they have to prescribe to there's only a certain amount of ways to get there Right um, now with the, you know, personalized medicine, though, it's getting to a whole different level. So I work with teams that are on, you know, trying to scope out their their personalized um, medicine and the chain of custody is so much more in depth. Right. And we're going to have to get to a blockchain sort of way of mm -hmm. working. Right. Which is really super exciting to me. I don't know if it's exciting. Is it exciting to you? Because I think that's pretty super exciting. Yeah, it is. I think all technology and what we're doing is, is exciting. But then again, my fear is that people will stick to the old ways and we right. will be prevented <laughs> to, from doing it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there, I don't think there's, there's no going back. I don't think we can, and we just going to have to, are they going to kick and drag along or are they going to, you know, champion and fly with, I guess. Well, I think ultimately if they don't come along again, you know, the, their jobs will be at risk per se. And as I said, it'll go more to the, uh, service providers mm -hmm. more right. to the vendors who will, will, who will have embrace, to yeah yeah right? so it will go to whoever has the uh, speed right yep so yeah so what do you think some of the um i know some of the criticisms or challenges in in when you guys have been rolling this out over the last couple of years how do you um can you speak to some of that and like just how to get over i think for some of us that have been in the industry i try to support the cause and at some point in time i see the eyes glass over and people just say to me well dory this is just you know what we've been doing and I, I really don't know how to change my organization. I don't have any influence in my organization and they feel defeated. 
they want to do the right thing, but they feel defeated. Yeah. I I think one there there's a large element so that's it's a converted people. Then it's then it's about looking for an ally. Mhm. Right. Uh I think at one point people got mad at me because they said like, "Hey, you didn't align with everybody." Mm. And and my my simple response to that is like, "No, like any technology change, right? Ford didn't say like everyone must drive a car <laughs> now." Right. right. Yeah. So with that it, it's it's all about finding that one ally, that right. one person who's actually read all the guidance you know, the existing guidance, not just CSA, mm-hmm. but the existing guidance, existing material. And they realize, to your point, that there's nothing that's outside of current regulation. And the FDA's original intent, when you look at scope and application, was like, hey, right, broad interpretations. Right. Right. Unnecessary controls and costs and are discouraging, you know, technological advances. advances. Yeah. 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 So... We're looking at 2022, end of the year. This has been a long year. It's been I, how I'm for me. It's been a very busy year. There's been a lot of uptick in um, a variety of programs that I support, and just um, people wanting to do more. Um, I think on as a consultant from the outside, perhaps some of our customers and have unrealistic expectations of, of how much can be absorbed within organizations and have been pushing people, both vendor side and their own organizations, a little too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what have you, what's some of your highlights of the year for you? Highlights of the year of like uh, achieved or, mm. I've, I've, I, you know, I, I think the, the adoption of CSA is, is really, we, we've reached that tipping point. Mm-hmm. Where more and more people are asking how, how, as opposed to you know what is it? Uh, yeah, what is it? <laughs> or I'm resistant, right? And you know people are coming to get uh, together and talking about implementations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's the biggest highlight of the year that we actually have that traction, and it's global, right? Right. I was in um, again speaking in uh, Europe. Uh, we've spoken in India. India has reached back out. You know, I think Kenex is going to Singapore. So, oh wow, that's the, great. Um, the interest to get hit globally for by people mm-hmm. and pointing them to the existing documents that are out there. Uh, again, like current, like GAMP, saying like read this section of right. GAMP. Just don't read M three. Right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, I. I do read all, and I read more and more every day. Um, I'm a, actually an avid reader, so um, so if you ever get come across stuff um, you think I'd be interested, I'd be more than happy because I, it's it's education. I think is one of the biggest things um, moving forward that I want to focus on with folks is is trust and building that trust between quality and IT education across the board, right? And also accountability, mm-hmm. like really holding each party accountable. So it's not just that the quality feel like they're beat up on but it's also on the it side being accountable to doing what they also have agreed to right so it's 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 both-sided and um if we can come to those um honestly to the table to have those conversations i think we'll all be a little bit better yeah and and, you know i mean i i hope i don't come across as bashing qa because i I was qa (laughs) (laughs) i was compliant i I get frustrated with qa and i I am qa i'm a vice president for qa for some you know organizations too (laughs) like it's it's a matter of um 
navigating that fear, and I think that hopefully as, as um, a global awareness that we all have to listen to one another, right? Yeah. And I think, um, not getting political, but it is a small p political, the, the conversations that this is, right? Like it's political within your organization, it's political with your, um, how you're doing and your relationships with your vendors, it's understanding what, um, you know, all the other implications of uh, even moving to SaaS and all those sorts of things. Like it's, there's lots of things to consider globally in what we're proposing to most organizations. Yeah, I, I think though, um, there is a role, you know, quality plays a key element in CSA and it's not as big of a change as people really think, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you look at it, we already have leveraging vendor testing. We already right. have scripted right. testing. Right. And all we're saying is like, okay, we're unscripted. Right. And then it's uh, coming up with a model that says like, hey, if it's a high risk area, this is how I'll yes. test it and document it, et cetera. A hundred percent agree. And yet, so I, I like you, yourself, I've been on both sides of the fence and I've gotten quality auditors tell me as a vendor that I have to have a validated learning management system. Why, as a vendor, do I need a validated learning management system is beyond me. But these are the sorts of things that quality auditors just put on a quality hat and think that they can ask the same questions to everyone that they go to and put it without having changing the lens for what they're looking at, without changing the lens for looking at a system that's high profile versus low risk, right? Like, and the ability to shift within that and the IT people to also know when that lens needs to be changed, I think is really part of the, the conversation and the navigation between the two parties to be able to get to a new place, right? Like we need to have that conversation and it's uncomfortable conversation, I think, for some. Yeah, there, there is an element of, of um, as a vendor, it's always tough because you're trying to cater what your, to what your, comp your customers want. Mm -hmm. So then it would be almost like, okay, you can make something that validated learning management system, but you make it a very, very light because it's a support system and you just do an IQ or something just to say that it was. Um, mm -hmm. But no, I, um, it's, uh, it's interesting and I, I do think that industry falls in a, a, almost like a priority inversion that they'll value uh, someone who is more similar Hmm. To the pharma industry versus really looking at the true quality hmm. of the systems in place. Case in point, I've been, uh, I know of a case where a system was selected because, hey, this one company knows pharma. It does, like, hmm. you know, a couple hundred transactions versus someone who did it for banking that did a couple million transactions. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, the yeah. Accuracy, you know, uh -huh. for banks, which are fractions of pennies. Right, yes. So, which has a more quality product. I, completely and totally agree with you. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. Um, I have to ponder that a little bit more, because, but I've seen that and, yeah, I, and I know exactly what you mean. They don't have a validated learning management system at the other company. Exactly. <laughs> right. And I would highly trust that more than ever before. Um, and I think that also goes to like when we see mobile devices come out and all these apps and all this, you know, I work with some companies that are uh, strictly software as a medical device firm. And they're so far advanced, I can't even touch them because they're just, they're so far advanced and it's fabulous and it's wonderful to see all that technology being used in real time. Um, 
And then when I look at some of the more traditional, larger big pharma and how slow and, and challenged as an organization they are to move, it's sad. Yeah, I, but the larger organizations, that's, that's driven, right, because the... Right. Smaller organizations tend to be more nimble, yeah. uh, let's be honest. Yeah. And uh, as the firms get bigger, then the cost of a recall exceeds the cost of being conservative. Mm-hmm. Except now with all the cybersecurity risks and the other events that are occurring right. and market differentiation based on technology, the, the cost of being conservative may tip. Yep. I 100% agree. Yeah, we talk about this a lot internally. The, the cost of not changing is a bigger compliance risk at, at this point in time. And I think that speaks to your tipping point comment yeah. earlier. Yeah. Right, because you look at the hackers. They no longer care if it's a hospital, like people's well, lives. Anyway, yeah. right? they're, they're going after everything. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So. Number one uh, concern from any customer I talked to this year is security. And so when we're talking about a COTS product, it's way down on the list, you know? And so, you know, what is that risk proportionality there and, and how do we navigate that? Um, I do know you need to get starting to prep for your early morning call or chat with everybody. Um, it has been a pleasure, Ken. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, no, it's great. We should do it more often. I Absolutely. know we've been trying. But I we know. Schedule has been um, crazy, but yeah, uh, I look forward to 2022. Yeah. All cool. right. Thank awesome. you. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Software Quality Today podcast presented by TX3 Services. And please don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified when new episodes are published. Before we close the episode out completely, I wanted to direct you to check the episode description for a link to an MDIC presentation that was recorded on December 8th in which Cisco Vicente from the FDA discusses numerous points regarding the CSA draft guidance. Dory and Ken discuss some of these points during their conversation, but specifically they reference updates on where the guidance is in the process, so I wanted to direct you to about the 8 minute 30 second mark of that presentation, where Cisco addresses the latest status. In the meantime, if you have any questions about this episode, please feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn at TX3Services or email us at info at TX3Services.com. Thanks again for tuning in and thanks to Ken for making himself available to share his insights during this episode. Please join us next time for another edition of Software Quality Today.